Hey, I'm sex, love, and relationship therapist, Dr. Laura Berman, and for the last 30 years, I've been helping people learn to love and be loved better. Welcome to the Language of Love Sessions. This is where I get to work with you one-on-one, on air. You, my listeners, my goal in these sessions is to empower you to enjoy better relationships, both with others and with yourself, and to help you embrace how precious and sacred your body, your love life, and your sexuality really is. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Regina, welcome to the language of love. So tell me what's on your mind. How can I help? Well, I am a perpetually social person. I've had some serious life changes, but one of the things that helps me is being social. I like live music, all of that stuff. I come from a background where I grew up, my dad taking us to plays and musicals and stuff. My partner, on the other hand, who is a veteran and still works, does not like going places, especially places involving a crowd. Yeah. So I've found myself going places by myself, which is okay. I'm okay with it, but sometimes I want him with me. So what do I do? Do I keep going places by myself? I think it's amazing that you do because a lot of people, even if that's their longing, would not. And I think it's wonderful that you do. And we'll talk about that in a second, but let me just understand him a teeny bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You say he's a veteran. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. he doesn't like crowds in part because it can bring up some PTSD. Does he struggle with PTSD? That's definitely part of it. And I guess part of it is a control because I have some anxiety too. So part of it is the unknown. Yeah. But what we've come to realize is that he was sort of always like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so that's part of it. But recently discussing it, he was like that as a kid, you know, wanting to do things on his own, not having to be with the crowd. So, Yeah. yeah. And how much does it bother you? Because the simple answer to the question is no, it's not a big deal that you go to these things alone or with a friend or whatever, except if it's a big deal to you in terms of your relationship satisfaction. Like my husband is Mm. sort of the same way, not because of any problem. I would never think that of you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't like loud music. He doesn't like big crowds. He doesn't like being stuck anywhere. He likes to be able Mm -hmm. to control when he comes and goes. And so the way that we handle parties that we're both going to is that he knows that he'll probably want to leave way before I do. Mm -hmm. He just goes home first and we understand that. And I stay in schmooze and do whatever I feel like doing. Or if I'm having a good time, obviously, mm-hmm. if not, it's a great excuse because I have to go because my husband's ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, the, but the other is if you go out, there are lots of things that he has zero. I don't even ask him to come because I know he's not mm-hmm. going to want to. And I just go by myself or with my girlfriends. But for me, in, we've been together over 20 years. In the beginning, I had some judgments about it, but I realized mm-hmm. that the judgments were more my story or my fear about what other people were going to think if my husband wasn't with it, me, not participating. Yeah. Right. Because I eventually was like, why do I, you know? So if we took out caring what other people think about you not being with your partner, mm-hmm. do you care that he's not coming with you? I mean, of course, it would be nice if he did, but is it really a problem for you? Well, there's some layers to it. So part of it is that I recently lost my son. So sometimes I'm like, don't you want to be there to support me? So that's one. 
Okay. The second thing is that there are some things that he will go to. Now, when he goes, he says he's basically like, you know, it's basically a sacrifice. He's mm-hmm. going for you. To for me or for other people, like yeah. some of his military friends. I see. Yeah. He's going because of them. But the other thing is like right before you posed the question, I was somewhere and somebody said, well, I don't see you posting pictures with him anymore. Are you guys even together? And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. So in general, I'm not as concerned about what people say, especially in light of what I've been through. But I didn't like the feel of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you could post with him, walk. I mean, do you, let me just ask you this, because I think this is a more important thing. Do you spend time with him outside of the house anywhere? No, no. Not even for a walk or. No, no. And that's a, I think that's what brought up some of the um, emotions about this at the beginning of COVID. I said, well, let's at least go for a walk. Yeah. I was in healthcare, so I was having to go to work. Yeah. And I was like, let's go for a walk. And he didn't. And then a co-worker who was having a hard time asked him to go for a walk. And he went. And I was really, I was really upset. Yeah, that's and not we a- and we started therapy then. But even like going to like Costco, like he likes to go and he likes to zip through and get the stuff on his list. <laughs> and get and that. I like to meander. I like to look. I like to get the samples. And so even then, it's like, he's ready to go. And what you yeah. said earlier about going separately because of where we live geographically and where most of the events are, I'm in this Bay Area. It's pretty spread out, lots of traffic. It's just not usually, that would be a solution, actually. But it's not usually practical for us to go separately and leave. Yeah. So. Yeah. I end up going by myself. Okay. And so let's just put a pin in this for a second, because this will be part of my understanding of the advice I give you. In general, all this stuff aside around his willingness to go out and be out with you, what are you getting out of the relationship and what is good about it? So definitely security. So on the, on the other hand, if you try yeah. to look at other things, I kind of chuckle now because I prayed and said, you know, I want somebody who's reliable and I know exactly where they are. Well, guess what? <laughs> he's never leaving the house. So, you know, exactly <laughs> where he is. I, I got that. So that like he cooks, he's a great cook. He's very family oriented, very close to his family. Like I have never seen a person. He literally calls his mother every weekend. I mean. And is he loving towards you? Is he? Yeah. Affectionate yes. you want, as loving as you want, as emotionally supportive. Not as much as I want, but he tries. And, you know, what you have to figure out is, which you know this, like people show their yeah. affection in certain ways. So like he'll come home and he'll he'll say, oh, I got those yogurts you like. You know, yeah, like but he bought 10 of those yogurts and I'm thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And you so say stuff like that. counseling together. Are you still we were. I'm doing some individual counseling now with the grief yeah. stuff and he's doing some separate counseling. So we are not currently. And do you guys, other than this issue around being out in the world together, are there like points of conflict? Are there things that you argue about a lot other than that potentially? Well, I lost my mother and then a year later I lost my son. So any points of conflict have fallen by the wayside. Like they're just not 
they're not. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. And, yeah. and I, you know, obviously mm-hmm. we understand each other's pain. So I yeah. get it. But I also get because I feel the same way. And by the way, not everyone who's suffered a horrible loss feels this way. So I don't mean to imply in our mm-hmm. conversation that anyone who's lost a child or anyone who's going through grief would feel this way. But when you go through a tremendous loss, it's not uncommon to, in a weird way, once you get through the initial shock or even within the initial shock, like feel a new lease on life. Like mm-hmm. life is so freaking, you get aware mm-hmm. If you're moving through it and if you have that kind of personality, you know, there are lots of variables, but it is, I notice with a lot mm. of people, my, ourselves included, that you're like, life to even just be in this body and be here is a freaking miracle. Like life is. is a gift and I want to live it. I don't want to take any day for granted. Anything can happen at any time and right. this is so fragile and I want to live it, right? So you almost in a weird way, get a new lease on life, as they would say. And so I totally understand. And I have the same desire to enjoy the life I have, right? Mm -hmm. And do what brings you joy. And you have very little tolerance for what doesn't bring you joy or people who don't bring you joy or bullshit that doesn't bring you joy, Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So I get like, this is important to me and I wanna be out and about and listening to music and going to parties and having fun. The real question that you need to ask yourself, and I can't answer for you, is it's not about convincing him to go to these things because it's not going to serve him. It's not going to serve your relationship and it's not going to serve you. It's what right. we call, what I call when I work with couples, being on the triangle, right? Mm. So there is the victim point, the villain point, and the hero point on the triangle. And all of us, when we're not in integrity in our relationship, we're Mm -hmm. on one or multiple of those points, right? Mm -hmm. And so in a relationship, one of the things that I really try to help people work on is anytime you notice, which one of the ways you know you're on the triangle is if you're convinced you're right. But anytime you know, so the victim would be like, feel put upon, feel pressured, feel mistreated, Mm. feel misunderstood. The villain is you never, you're always pointing the finger. Yeah. The villain. And the hero is the codependent, right? Mm. Version of ourselves. And we all have elements of that. Who's going to rescue you. Who's going to make you feel better. Who's going to sacrifice their own needs and wants for Mm -hmm. you. And a lot of us, because of our parenting wounds, mistakenly assume or interpret that if someone really loves me, they should hero me. They should sacrifice their aliveness for me, right? Obviously, you got to make compromises in a relationship. You got to make accommodations for the person you love. You got to take one for the team sometimes. But in general, if something is really, I just went through this with my husband, literally two or three days ago or before that he pl- he's in Washington right now doing all this crazy lobbying stuff and sat in oh. the hearing with the five social media companies in the front row with mm. 75 other parents that he helped coordinate. They all dressed in black. Oh. They're holding pictures of their kids. And from the beginning of this, which, you know, maybe he's been planning this for a month. I was like, I'm not coming. I, there is not any part of me that wants to sit in a room in the front row and look at those MFs and watch their bullshit and not 
jump over and strangle them. Like I will, Mm -hmm. but I know myself like this kind of advocacy stuff makes me infuriate me personally infuriated for him. He loves it. It gives him meaning. It gives him purpose. It helps him heal. He's Mm -hmm. like, he's making a difference. And I love that about him, but I would be heroing him if I went with him to Washington and he knows our, we've worked enough on it that he doesn't want me to hero him and Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to hero me. And so the reason I bring all this up is with your partner, what you're asking him to do is hero you, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's no part of him that wants to go to that party and you're wanting him to no part. Yeah. And you're wanting him to bypass that for your comfort or companionship, which I understand that's your longing, right? Mm. And when he is doing it, like he does for his vet friends, he's heroing them, right? Mm. He's on the triangle in those relationships. So the two of you, you're in the villain and victim role, right? Point of the thing, you never come with me. Why do you co- go with your friends and not with me? Right. You're pointing the finger of blame and you're also a victim. Like, I don't get to have a partner that goes to re- I don't get to well, have- the having to bottle that up. Yeah. That's the thing, because at, at this point right now, it's like I'm not going to be arguing about that. No. Based on. But it's the bottling that up of. So I don't do that anymore and learn that in therapy about, you know, yeah. pointing the finger and the you always what you said. But it's the bottling that up and it's the permanence of it, knowing that it's not going to change. Right. Well, that, but that's sort of ironically, I mean, it's weird, but it's sort of on you because what has to happen is that you have to decide if all that he brings to the relationship and to you is enough. Okay. This isn't going to change. Now, there are accommodations you can make. Like I work with couples all the time around speaking more proficiently each other's language of love, right? So mm, yeah. his, his language, we tend to love people the way we receive love. So his language of love is probably acts of service. So when people do acts of service for him, he feels loved. So that's how he loves you. He goes and gets you the yogurt you love. And that's how he expresses love. But your language of love is probably one of the highest ones is quality time. And yeah spending time together, doing something you enjoy. Right. And so that's how you love, want to love and want to be loved. And that's not how he's used to loving. So there is some accommodations that could be made that would not require that he sacrifice his aliveness by going into a big crowd. Right. Like even for instance, taking you going to Costco, the example you gave goes in, he gets everything you want to wander. I mean, I do this with my husband. Not at Costco, but in other stores. Like I think our husband, our partner, in all stores. Yeah, in all stores, <laughs> he goes and sits in the car, and waits for me, and mm. is on his phone or doing his thing. He doesn't feel like being in the store. He's bored and claustrophobic or whatever it is that he's feeling, and so he leaves me, and I go a little quicker than I may otherwise go. But Absolutely. I still take my time. I'm still getting satisfied. And he waits in the car, right? So that's just an example of a compromise. But both of you have to be willing, right? And so it's a conversation with your partner, not like you need to change and start going to parties with me and be someone that you're not and hero me to a point where you're going to feel anxious and really uncomfortable. No, but it is about saying, I need quality time that is outside the four walls of this home. So 
even yeah. if I'm going and sitting on the porch or just let's take a walk around the block or let's go to the park and sit and have a picnic that I've arranged and made for us. Just simple things, but that in order for me to really feel loved, I need to feel some experience of being out in the world with you. And that's a huge part of my relationship satisfaction. And while your preference may be in all your free time to sit here at home, Mm. and there's so many things I love about our life together, I really need at least once a week for, let's start with 20 minutes and work up to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he does that, when he does that, you say, thank you so much. I appreciated that. I enjoyed that so much. You give him lots of kudos for it. Cause they are kind of like training. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. There's so much to that. So like, for example, with the sitting in the car, the thing about it is Dr. Berman is that he wants to get back home as fast as possible. Uh-huh. That's yeah. number one. Number two, it's so interesting. You said acts of service because that is really about what he's about. Yeah. But the fact is when you've been in the military and you've worked and you've raised children, his thing is that I've done those things. Now I want to do what I want to do, which I understand. Yeah. And you know, when my when my son passed, you know, people were making me do stuff. And I think I did do a little bit too much because it eventually caught up with me. And I think he was like, how can you be going places? And I'm like, yeah. I can't sit here with the flowers and the cards and the everything everywhere. I can't. Yeah. yeah, the pain. I can't sit here. So, you know, one of the things that we would do, I love going to movies. I go to a lot of movies. I go by myself. And now, you know, you pick your seat at the movie. So it's not like you have to be worried about, am I going to get a seat? But during COVID, he, as many other people, got used to watching movies at home and streaming. So that kind of fell off. So But that's the conversation. So the first step is to have a conversation, like let's create a list of things you would do outside of the house that we could do together, like go to a movie or go, even though you'd write, just assume sit home, whatever, like that's Mm -hmm. his instinct, right? Mm -hmm. But he can reach a little bit if he understands he may want to do what he wants to do with his time. Amen. But he also wants to be with you. And so there's another human being involved here who has their own needs and wants. And so where can we meet in the middle in a way that doesn't sacrifice either of our aliveness completely, but we can stretch ourselves a little bit, right? Uh, Yeah. And if he's unwilling to do that, which he may be unwilling to do that, or maybe he's sort of willing, but won't follow through, Mm. then that's the question is now in your hands to hold. Is what he brings to the relationship, even though you would like to have a partner who was in an ideal world, the life of the party with you and (laughs) coming with you to all these things, or at least being willing and being patient as you wander through Costco, like you could design the perfect partner in that Mm -hmm. way. Sure, you could. And maybe you could even Mm -hmm. call that in. But is what he brings to the relationship enough? And if it is enough, not that in a way that you have to sacrifice, this is also about building your community, right? And I'm sure you have friends, obviously, and family, but you don't have to go to everything alone, right? You can find and call in. I mean, that's what I do. I go to some things alone, but I also have a community of of girlfriends and who are my plus one to a lot of them. 
and it's fun. And I don't have to take care of my husband while I'm having fun with my friends, you know? So there's joy in that and some fun in that. But that's just me because what he brings to the relationship is feels so significant to me that that's not such a big deal. Yeah, I'd like it to be different. Yeah, when the kids were little and we would have their birthday parties at home and there Mm -hmm. were 30 parents in the house and my husband had disappeared (laughs) for an hour or two. And everyone's like, where is your, where is Sam? And I was like, at first I was so cringing. Mm. And then I eventually I was like, why the hell am I, why do, it's not about me. What mm-hmm. he's doing is about him. So I just be like, I don't know. He's hiding somewhere. Yeah. Like yeah. I just didn't, I stopped making excuses or justifications, right. Or caring. And you can take pictures of the two of you sitting at home or making dinner or whatever, and post those. If you want everyone to know you have a man, you know, not to think <laughs> things yeah. wrong in the relationship, right. right. There are ways to get around this, but the real question, Regina is, is he enough? Is what he brings mm. to the table in the relationship fulfilling and important enough that while you would like this to be different, can you live with it? Yeah. Fill it and, in others. Yeah. And I think like in reality, I don't really care. It's just how that statement made me feel in that moment. I actually don't care what people think yeah. about no, me I posting feel, I stuff. get it. But if you made me answer today and say, is what he brings en- enough? I would say definitely yes. I would say definitely, definitely yes. I think it's also just the, um, I shouldn't use the word just because I don't want to diminish it, but it's as a mother and yeah. as a friend and as a middle child, I'm always saying, I'm always doing stuff I don't want to do. Yeah. Which is probably not. And that's on you, girl. That's on me. Yeah. Right. This is one of the greatest gifts, I think, or opportunities that tremendous loss when everything feels stripped away and you don't have the wherewithal or capacity to bend over into pretzels like you used to. Yeah. Right. It's an invitation to say, I'm not going to say yes to anything that I don't want to say yes to. I'm going to say no to things that I want to say no to. I'm not going to hero anyone. And then maybe I will, maybe there's someone I really love and isn't going through a hard time. And I'd rather not talk on the phone for two hours because I'm tired, but for sure, like there are those moments, obviously, but in general, I think that's an invitation. He could be a role model for you about maybe scaling back all the hero uh, yeah. you're doing. That's true. Now that is true. And maybe you'd be a little less resentful of him not doing things that are out of integrity with him or feel like. And I kind of think it, think of it. So that's like, that's two extremes. So how do you handle two extremes like that? Well, you said have the, have the conversation. Find the middle ground, right? So it's separate, right? Each of you are on your own individual journey. And then there's this entity that is the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And so you on your individual journey, separate from him, but this is part of what's underneath your resentment of him. You on your individual journey, I see two assignments. One Mm -hmm. is to stop, to scale back significantly the stuff Mm -hmm. you're doing that you don't want to do or that you're sacrificing to do or that you're forcing yourself to do. Like scale that back Mm -hmm. a lot to completely. And 
to start embracing ways that you can do what you do want to do with or without him. Mm. And just it's not about the relationship. It's not about you. He's got his own stuff to deal with that has nothing to do with you. And that's true. And that's true. You know, when you were saying that, it occurred to me that I have been like, I better say yes to everything while people are offering because this is not going to last forever. That is a crock. Where'd you get that story? I don't know. I just really, I mean, <laughs> I just remember hearing people say, you know, when you have a loss, like everybody's around and then it goes away and then you're by yourself. Aww, no. Yeah. yeah. I just realized that. Yeah. That's a really important realization. I'm glad you connected to that because as you try that on, I think, you know, we carry these beliefs that maybe our inner children are attached to, but we're not really mm-hmm. thinking about with our adult mind. But mm. if you hold that with your with this Regina I'm talking to right now, is that true? In some ways, but I don't want to I don't want to complain about it because people have shown up in incredible ways. Right. And no, like it's you said, true. it's true that people stop showing up. I yeah. should say that. But yeah. is it true? that you won't have any opportunities to go out to things being that if you do less of what you don't, if you stop doing what you don't feel like doing that, when you do want to do something, no one will want you. Is that really true? I do. Yeah. There's a part of me that I don't know if it's true, but I feel that. Yeah. Well, that's important to look at because I'm here to tell you, well, I guess it depends on what you want, right? Like if what you want, is to be out in the world doing things that light you up, that you're excited to do with people who you really enjoy being with, then stop doing what you're doing and only do those things that light you up and with those people you really want to be with. Because when you do that and you're living from that place, I can guarantee you, I don't even have to say it might happen. I can guarantee you that that makes you a match for more of that. When you are willing to spread yourself thin with shit you don't want to be doing just out of fear and scarcity, which is what this essentially is. If I don't do it, I'm going to be all alone in the world and no one will want to hang with me, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to hang with those people anyway. You're just hanging with them. So you, for fear that you won't have anything to do when you do want to do something, right? But if you scale that all back, You can see how that's coming from a place of a double bind of scarcity, right? I don't want to do this thing, but if I don't do it, then when I do want to do something, I won't have anything to do. But I don't even want to do this thing that I'm doing, but I don't want to not be able to do what I something if I ever want to do something, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. You see what a double bind you're putting yourself in? And then you want him to join you in the double bind and he doesn't even want to leave the house. Yeah. As most of you know, for the past several years, I've been on a pretty intense grief journey and it's been a path of healing. I've shared lots of that healing with you and lots of the healing resources that I found. And I am so thrilled to announce that I am doing my first ever retreat for grieving mamas. So if you or someone you love is a mama who has lost a child in any way, at any stage, at any age, I would love for you to come join me at 1440 Multiversity 
in the redwoods near santa cruz california for four amazing days of beautiful uplifting community and healing we've got david kessler we've got paul selig we've got katherine woodward thomas we've got me we've got body work we've got organic food beautiful rooms go to 1440.org check it out it's right there on the home page i really hope you can join us so What I would encourage you to do is just start. And even if you just try it for two weeks, you don't have to make a commitment forever or for a month. I don't know how many invitations you get or whatever. But if you just start saying, and I'll give you my excuse in a minute. It's not an excuse, my explanation that people Mm -hmm. can't argue with. Mm -hmm. But if you scale it back and start, like you get an invitation, you don't respond immediately. You hold it. Mm -hmm. You run it through your body. Just ask your body how it feels about it. Mm. And right now, I want to do an experiment with you, okay? Mm -hmm. See if you can feel the difference. I want you first to say the word yes. Like you can even think of something that you wouldn't even think twice about saying yes to, or you can just say the word yes. 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 And just notice, say it a few times and notice as you Yes how it feels in your body, any sensations, anything. Yes. Now say no. And just while you're staying in this state of yes, right? Now go to no and say no and notice if there's any change. No. No. You feel any constriction there or any difference? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel a little something in my belly. Yes. Yes. Your body will tell you exactly what is in alignment and what isn't. And if you're ever Mm. doubting, you run it through your heart and your heart. If your chest constricts, that means you're maybe making up stories. But if it stays Mm. open and relaxed and then you run it through again and you check in with yourself. But if it doesn't respond and it just kind of stays relaxed, then that's your sign that you're on the money. So if you're ever doubting it, you can do Mm. that. But this should be your compass because I don't think you're even in there checking before you say yes to things. You just say yes. to. Oh, you're right about that. So here's what I say to people. And I did this. I did this for real in order to survive the grief. But I decided I made an arrangement because I was out out, out, out of my body. And I needed to be back in, in order to heal. And so I made a deal with my body. I was like, and I have kept it for almost three years and it has changed my life for the better. Mm -hmm. I do not say yes to anything that I don't have a full body. Yes to. And I say no to anything I have a full body. No to. And there have been many, many, many times that I have actually wanted to say yes in my brain, well, this seems fun, but I run it through my body and body's like, hell no. I'm like, okay, I can't (laughs) do it. And sometimes I really want to say, no, I don't feel like going out tonight or I don't really, and my body's like, yes, you are. This is a good Mm. thing. Like we want to do this. So I listen to it and I do what it says, whether my brain is saying, unless I've never needed to be like something that I absolutely am dying to do. 
But there was even like an event I was invited to with all of these change makers and people mm-hmm. who it seemed like I should quote unquote meet to help promote the work <laughs> that I'm doing. And it was a really as if you need to. Well, I you know, I do, but like it was a really high status, you know, invitation mm-hmm, yeah. at some mansion in Beverly Hills, and all these people were gonna be there. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And my I ran through my body and my body was like, uh-uh, you're not doing it. And so I went to these people and this is what, this is my first experience of the excuse. Cause up to then I just would say, no, thank you. But I changed after this moment. Cause they, the head of this organization invited me. Right. Uh, and I was like, fuck, I gotta tell them no. And so I said, listen, I've made this pact with my body mm-hmm. that I won't say yes to anything. It doesn't say yes to, and I'll say no to anything it says no to. And even though I like excited to come, my body is giving me a really clear signal that it's a no. So I'm so sorry. Like I I have to do this. I've made this promise to myself. That would have been a better response. I just texted somebody and said, sorry, I'm not going to make it this time. And they sent me a crying face back. But that would have been better. (laughs) Right. Well, that's why I'm offering it to you because it's a really valuable and authentic. You're not lying, but it's a really valuable explanation that is unarguable. Nobody can argue with what your body's telling you and your commitment to your body's health and that you're in a place of healing. And this is fundamental to your healing, which by the way, it really is. Yeah. And I think that's sort of what I was doing. I didn't have those words, but that's kind of what I was doing when I, when I say no, but for example, I went to an event Saturday, which was not an event that it was mainly a women's breakfast. But, you know, I saw people I hadn't seen since my son's service and they were all giving me the sad look. And that's exactly what I didn't want. But I was like, okay, I have to have to normalize this. I have to for me, I have to do this because that is something I wanted to go to. Okay, because of the topic. But yeah, I think and I would I would try for a couple of weeks to see or a month or however long it takes. I don't know how many invitations you get a week. But try, I'd be really curious what your body would have told you about doing that. Not that something bad happened when you did it, but I am telling you that your whole world will change for the better and your healing will be supercharged if you try this and and keep doing it. I'm not saying you have to. Yeah, yeah. What you just said. No, I need a tool. I need something. Yeah. What you just said about going to that party that you really wanted to go to makes sense, but that's a perfect example. I wonder whether your body wanted to go, right? Mm. Your brain wanted to go, your ego wanted to go too. And even your, your story about what would quote unquote help you mm. wanted to go, Yeah, but did your body want to go? No. Your body didn't want to go. No. Right? So you listen to your body and you trust it. Because your body has wisdom of everything that you really need and want that's going to make it feel safe, that's going to make it feel grounded, that's going to make it feel less in fight flight, that's going to allow it to allow it to heal, that's going to minimize inflammation and chronic disease. If you start mm. listening to your body, your entire energetic frequency will rise. And then Mm. you start becoming a frequency match to so many beautiful things that are in alignment with what your body wants and what your health wants and what your heart wants. And regardless, and your mind will get on board because all this cool stuff is happening, right? I'm going to have to listen to that over and over and over so that can sink in. 
because I that morning the whole time I I was out of my body. It was like yeah, exactly. There was somebody walking around the yes. room and eating, but I don't know. It wasn't me. And you know what you're accidentally doing, and you're trying to do this in some therapeutic way for yourself. Yeah. So from a good place. But what you're accidentally doing is telling your body your pain doesn't matter. Mm. Your needs don't matter. And so the only way your body can walk around that room is if you freaking leave it. Yeah. And you're disassociated. And then you're not in touch with your intuition. You're not in integrity with your body. Your body doesn't experience, you know, this is what, listen, Gabor Mate, who's one of the most in-demand speakers in the world right now, who has so much wisdom to share, even talks about this. Like, this is real, what I'm Mm. talking about. And I see that it's impacting you. So what's going on as you listen to that? Well, I was thinking, you know, I saw a few people and they gave me a big hug. And then they say, we'll get together. And that probably won't happen. So it's the ignoring my, I don't want to say ignore. I don't know if the people who disappear. I don't think I was consciously doing it, but it's the um, yeah. And so, what happened when the what you said that those people hugged you and said we should get together, and you knew they were kind of full of shit. <laughs> but yeah, but that's once again not okay. A, yeah. Okay, I mean, that okay. Wasn't, but inside yeah. yourself, what did that do? I think I I felt a little. I could feel disappointment for something that never happened. Yeah, and this is yeah. one of the problems that we all have with grief is that, like you said, the world moves on. That is true. That people disappear and don't show up for you. And all of that has zero to do with you. You could be the most lovable human on the entire planet and they would be behaving the same way. It is because of their discomfort with what you've been through it's because of their fear of facing their own grief. It's about their fear of what could happen to them. And it's their fear of not of saying or doing the wrong thing. So they just avoid none of that, even though it's horribly painful and I've experienced it too. It's really important to say that that's not, that that's, you know, and I think you know that, that it's really about them, but it, it's just adding insult to injury. And so your body has been with you every second. Mm-hmm. of your life. It knows your heart and your soul better than your brain does. Mm. And as Bessel van der Kolk says, it keeps the score, right? It, it has so much. Oh my gosh. My partner bought that book. The body Please keeps the score. Read it. read it. And he's been saying, I need to. Please take this as your quantum wink from the universe. Yeah. You got to read that book because you will be astounded. And I'm telling you, as someone who has been on the same journey you're on, I've been on it coming up on three years, Mm -hmm. and I feel really amazed at how good I feel. I mean, obviously, I still have my moments, and there's still presence of the loss, but I know for a fact, not just with the research I've done and the clinical hat I wear, but with my personal experience That if you can start listening to and letting your body guide you so much of what you're trying to fix will fall away and Mm -hmm. you will heal even more and you will find grace and you will find rest and you will find connection, not only with other people who can really show up for you, but with your higher self, like there's this fear within you of 
abandonment, right? Of being totally alone in the world with your pain, which by the way, yeah. most of us have, but that's yeah, about my son was my person. So yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. So now I have no one, I'm going to be alone. No one's going to care about me. No one's going to be with me. Right. So as you do that, this is the crazy thing that I didn't understand until I did this experiment mm-hmm. and kept doing it. Cause in my mind, having a spiritual connection to my child on the other side, to my angels, to God, it was like up in the, the more in the spirit we can be, the more Mm -hmm. we can connect. That's not true. This is the crazy thing. And so many metaphysical healers have confirmed this for me now that I figured it out for myself and I've been checking it out that the body is the bridge to the soul. Oh, And ironically, it doesn't make intuitive sense if you think about it, Mm -hmm. but the more in your body you are, the more of a relationship with your body, it's like your tuning instrument. It's your communication instrument. It's how you can feel the subtleties of the communications and the relationship that you want to have with spirit, with your child, with whoever. The more in your body and with your body and in alignment with your body you are, the more those channels open mm. and the less alone you are, even when you're physically alone, you feel and can access the immense support that is always flowing into you and companionship that is always flowing into you, whether you feel it or realize it or not. Right. But as you are in your body, you can actually access it and you can't be in your body if you are fighting what your body needs and wants and is asking you to do. Right. So besides asking my body how it feels about these invites, how else can I get in more in touch with my body? Well, somatic experiencing, anything Mm -hmm. that is, see, because what you're doing is what a lot of us do is you're, the term is sort of being externally referenced. You're looking Mm -hmm. for your peace outside yourself in community, which is important. Community is important, but I don't think you have the right community, frankly. And as you do this work, you will literally call that in. But what I would encourage you to do in the Bay Area you said you live is Mm -hmm. check out two key things. Find yourself a somatic experiencing therapist or coach. So go to traumahealing.org. I have no affiliation with them, but that's a Mm -hmm. website I send people to because they have a big list of somatic experiencing therapists. Look for someone who works with grief and who does that kind of, they'll teach you all sorts of ways to calm down your nervous system, to access your body, Mm. to move emotions through your body and out of your body. The other thing that is amazing for attuning to is ecstatic dance. Oh, I don't know. We did a good grief day. Yes. Well, that was just for a minute, but you could feel, right. You could feel when you came to the good grief day, this is for several hours and it's like a silent disco and you're with a whole bunch of other people, but everybody's in their own world and you're just moving to the music and being in your body. Right. Mm -hmm. If you go on my website and you look under the meditations, I think it's on the quantum love page. I would love, I would love for you to read quantum love because it's also going to help you with your relationship, but on the quantum love page, there are a bunch of meditations and do the grounding meditation. It only takes a few minutes, but if you can do that, like put sticky notes around on the mirror in your car that just say ground, 
because mm-hmm. you're not, most of us after trauma are not in our bodies 99% of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So grounding is a way to bring your consciousness back into your body real quick. Just come back into your body. It takes about five breaths and that's it of guided. Uh, you'll, once you listen to the meditation once, you'll be able to do mm-hmm. it on your okay. own. Okay. But those would be places to start somatic experiencing, ecstatic dancing, grounding, walking out on the beach or the grass barefoot, mm-hmm. asking your body, you're going to decide what to eat tonight. Ask your body, do I want chicken or fish? Mm-hmm. Do I want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? Like start mm. with low stakes things and including invitations and just really get to really familiar. So it only takes a split second. I don't even have to ask most of the time because my body and I now have a communication channels opened where I immediately know, right? Because we've been practicing this and I did at first practice pink shirt, blue shirt, mm-hmm. right or left. And I would just whatever, because you have to know what yes and no, which we just did. You have to know what yes yeah. feels like in your body. And then once you do, it gets louder and louder and you can hear it real quick. And not having this knowledge. And not being in my body, that causes anxiety. Oh, I know something's wrong. Huge. I just I just didn't know what it was. Huge yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Huge anxiety. Yeah. Well, I know we've taken this. But one thing I do want to say that I've, I realized from this conversation is that I was a caregiver for my mother who had Alzheimer's. And then I was going, she lived with us and we put her in a nursing home. Then I was going back and forth to Houston. And then... I was with her when she passed, which was around Christmas of 2021. Then I had to go back and forth to Houston with her arrangements in the state. And then I had a few months and then this happened with my son, mm-hmm. Justin. So now I find myself and I felt like I was just on a treadmill. Yeah. And a lot of the, I wasn't doing stuff and a lot of the stuff with friends fell off. So now I find myself looking back going, well, maybe I didn't show up because I had all this going on, maybe I didn't show up and maybe that's why I'm not getting back. Yes. But also this kind of loss is an, I really think it happens. I believe that our soul kind of comes here planning the gist, not the, all the details and there's free will, but the general sense of the crap we're going to have to face while we're here in service to learning or expanding our souls or our soul's growth. Mm-hmm. And I think, I know now, having talked to thousands of people who, have, who are moving through and have moved through terrible loss, that it is a recalibration of your entire life. And yeah. where a lot of the pain comes from is trying to keep the old when you yeah. are someone totally new. You are a phoenix in the process or of rising from the ashes, or let's make it even more specific to what happens with terrible loss is the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and it does not grow wings. It literally melts into mush. Mm. And then the DNA is in the caterpillar to become a butterfly and it reforms into a butterfly. Now, if as you're in the cocoon and you're reformulating and you're coming into your wings, the caterpillar is only hanging out with other caterpillars. <laughs> as the wings come on, it starts wanting to jump a little bit and fly a little bit or break out of the cocoon or whatever. And it's only hanging out with the caterpillars. 
and it's not reaching and connecting with all the butterflies that are available that could show it how to fly and find nectar and all the other things, right? But until you're willing to be in the cocoon and to do the healing and to let go of anything that doesn't serve your body and to be with yourself fully, two things happen. One, you recognize that, yes, of course, I want and need other people and friends and community, but I am tapped in and tuned in and have so much support. I am not alone. Mm -hmm. None of us are alone, even when we're physically alone, right? And that's one of the calls that grief, the invitations that this kind of loss gives us. And the other is that as you move into integrity with yourself, there will be people who fall away, but they are not, they are caterpillars. Hmm. But all kinds of butterflies are going to come in. And the people that are also turning into butterflies who were your caterpillar friends before are going to come in. But you have to be willing to let go and the grasping that you're doing and the forcing that you're doing out of fear of being alone is not serving you, much less your relationship. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense now because my my instinct was to just go back to what was familiar, which couldn't serve me. No. And then I'm saying to my partner, I need you to fill in all these gaps. Yeah. And he's not, God bless him. He's not able to. <laughs> yeah. And I love that too, because he's perfectly positioned in your life to also force you to come to this, what we're talking about now. You can't externally reference your peace with him. You can't externally reference it with your community. You can only do it within your body and then being tapped in and tuned in to all the divine energies that you can't access until you are home inside Mm. your body and in love and relationship and reverence of what your body has to teach you and listening to it and moving the pain out of it. It will free you in ways that are like, I can't, it makes me want to cry. I can't even put it into words. Yeah. So that that means as I do the work to do that, wherever I am, I should feel at home. Yeah. In your body body. and listen to just let your body be the boss. Just try it for two weeks and Mm -hmm. let it be the boss. That's one of my favorite songs by Diana Ross, the boss. So I can't remember that. Put on that song and dance around and tell your body, like, I'm going to listen to you. I am willing. I'm willing to listen to you. I'm going to keep coming back into you. I'm going to keep grounding. I'm going to listen. Okay. Red shirt, blue shirt, chicken, fish, right, left, party, stay home, party, beach, party, walk. Which do you want? Let me try these. What do I have a yes to? What do I have a no to? Just play with it. And you will be astounded how, how much appreciation you'll get in return. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Will you keep me posted on how you're doing? <laughs> For sure. This is, I didn't know what to expect. So this was very helpful. Good. This is like 10 weeks of therapy. Amen. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Be well. Thank you. Nice talking to you. You too.